everyone. Happy holidays to you and yours. It is the most wonderful time of the year as we approach Christmas. Hanukkah has wrapped up its eight crazy nights and conference play is tipping off in the Big East. It is wonderful indeed. Welcome to the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast, sponsored by the North Jersey Vipers Softball Club, the longest-running club softball program in Bergen County and one of the premier programs in all of New Jersey. Visit their website at NorthJerseyVipers.com. So, to get you ready for Big East play over the next three months, it is my pleasure to welcome back to the podcast Mr. Big East himself and Fox play-by-play broadcaster John Fanta, who's getting ready for the call tonight between Providence and Marquette. And when those two teams get together, it's always wacky. John, thanks for taking time out of your crazy schedule. Happy holidays. And how you doing? Brian, it's great to be with you. Thanks for having me. Happy holidays to you and all of your listeners. And let the Big East journey begin. Amen. Happy holidays to you too, my friend. Merry Christmas. And John, how do you, let's begin with your game. I mean, it seems like Providence and Marquette have played some of the craziest and best games in the Big East over the last couple of seasons. They have produced instant classics. Two of the last, and particularly in Rhode Island, two of the last three games played in Providence between the Golden Eagles and Friars have needed more than 40 minutes. Last year went to double overtime. Tyler Kolick had 29 points. And Providence still won because Bryce Hopkins and the Friars would not go down. Um, the year before that, they played about as as crazy of a game as you will ever see. A game that got postponed a day due to a blizzard that was so bad in Rhode Island, they had to move the game a whole day. We ended up being on, on AFC-NFC Championship Sunday. Brian, the game was at noon. And it said an FS1 viewership record because the game was so good and it was on in a window when nothing else was on. So I'll tell you what, uh, what does that mean? It means we're in for drama tonight. Uh, the year before that 65-63 Blizzard game, they went to overtime as well. Anytime the Friars and Golden Eagles get together, it is a treat. And I expect it to be once again tonight. I think the biggest question for Providence is, Will they have Devin Carter back? I assume that they will. They need him. They need Jaden Pierre. They need their guard play to hang in with Kolick. And then I'm fascinated by Oso Iguodaro going up against a guy that's come in for Providence, followed Kim English from George Mason, and has done a really nice job on the interior, Josh Oduro. Yeah, you know what? Let's talk about those two transfers, Josh Oduro and Ticket Gaines. What do you think about their play so far? Well, Oduro has stood out. I mean, he surprised me a little bit. You know, Brian, I I, I think with Providence, the, the thing is they blew out Wisconsin at home. Now, Wisconsin was struggling at the time. So I don't want to downplay their start. Outside of that win over Wisconsin, their resume isn't loaded up with a, you know, a bunch of wins. Um, you know, if, if honestly, if you took away the win from Wisconsin, their resume wouldn't be that much different from Seton Hall's today, uh, with the exception of the fact that Seton Hall has more losses in the games that they've that they've played. Um, for me, you know, I want to find out what these guys are in the Big East. But to this point, to this point, Oduro and Gaines have been very good. 
and you know you're you're following your head coach so you get the system you know what he wants and it's worked out quite well so i think i think you credit those guys because they have played well they've performed but i think like any player this here's the thing i'm sorry but i this isn't a, this isn't just a providence slight it's with everybody the big east is a different monster so if if you were going for 15 points and five assists against Monmouth or against Sacred Heart or Brown, it's no disrespect to those teams, Brian. But this is a whole new weight class. And we're going to find out just how good these guys are. I think they're good players. Is Oduro, is Oduro one of the best post players in the Big East? There's Providence fans who believe that he is. But you know, Brian, Joel Soriano exists in this league. Donovan Klingon exists in this league. Uh, Oso Godaro, Ryan Kalkbrenner. Yep. You know th- this league has a lot of talent on the interior, so I'm curious to see. Ticket gains doesn't really surprise me. He's a wing. He's a shot maker. He's versatile. He defends with length. I thought he would fill a good role, and he has. Definitely a volume player. Not shooting it, you know, spectacularly well. I think he's about 29% from three, but when he gets hot like he did against Wagner. I think he had seven threes in that game. Uh, look out. So what about Marquette? I think they are what we expected they are, right? A, a, they still look to me like a second weekend team, one of the top 10 teams in the country. What's your assessment of their play so far? Marquette's one of the best teams in the country because Tyler Kolick is an elite point guard, ball on a string, ball on a string. Uh, and, and David Joplin, at the four is my X factor to this team. Because, Brian, Olivia since Prosper, he was a first-round draft pick. Not regarded as a first-round draft pick this time last year. But he kept hopping on the boards and evolving on draft boards. And, you know, I'll tell you what, um, that to me is is indicative of Shaka Smart's ability to develop your wings. And that's what Joplin's role is now. Also, Godaro setting ball screens in their offense makes their offense really smoothly. And I think the most underrated player in the Big East is Cam Jones, Brian. He's a bucket getter. He's a shooter. He can get hot quickly, but he can hit that teardrop runner. He knows when to distribute. He, he's gotten better on defense. They have all the pieces. My one worry would be if Godaro's in foul trouble, how do they rebound, right? How do they hang in on the glass? How do they hang in in the post? Iguodaro is one of the more indispensable players in this conference. So when you have an elite point guard in Kolick and you have a mobile big in Iguodaro, the setup is there for the, the Golden Eagles to beat just about anybody in the country. Yeah, you talk about one of the best backcourts in the Big East. I'll put them right at the top with, with Jones and Kolick. They're number one in my book, and uh, you mentioned it before. Let's see what the Providence guards can do. Uh, let's hope Devin Carter's healthy and he can play because he is one of the best lockdown defenders. Yes, he is. That's going to be a fascinating matchup tonight, no doubt. So you're in for a treat there, John. Let's talk about the three teams in our area in the tri-state, and let's begin at the top with UConn. Uh, they have done nothing to disprove uh, their preseason ranking, and if, if anyway, in my opinion right now, uh, you want to put Purdue up there? That's fine. I'll take UConn as the number one team in the country right now heading into Big East play. Uh, would you take them? 
Well, Purdue deserves to be number one because they have the best resume in America. If Purdue and Connecticut played head-to-head on a neutral floor, I actually think UConn would be favored in the game. Yes, I agree. And I say that because I think Connecticut is the most complete team in the country. They answer every question, every single one. Can they shoot it? Cam Spencer and Alex Caravan can certainly do that. Do they have point guard play? To me, Tristan Nude would be my Big East player of the year. Right now. Right now. Agreed. He, he's been the best player in the Big East. He deserves that, that denotation. Donovan Klingon is, do they protect the rim? Do they rebound? Well, for the question askers of Klingon, look what he did against Gonzaga. 21 points, eight rebounds. He was sensational. If Klingon's not performing as well, they could go to Samson Johnson. So they formed a new one-two punch. Caravan's beyond his years. We haven't even seen the best from Stefan Castle. Right. Solo ball keeps getting better. The point, this team's the most complete team in America right now, but they could keep getting better, and they will keep getting better. The Big East will humble you. They're going to lose a game in the Big East. It's going to make you say, how? But the coaching in the league is just really good, and that's how it goes. But the fact is, Ryan, when they're clicking, right now Connecticut's best is better than anybody else's best in college basketball. And when you bring in a player like Cam Spencer, it, I'm not saying that that he makes up for Jordan Hawkins, but UConn could not have found a better player for Dan Hurley's system, a gamer, a kid who does it all, second leading scorer on this team, shooting 46% from three, who in my mind, um, if I'm taking a kid and building my roster, man, I'm, I'm taking him uh, amongst all the shooters. You know why? Because he's more than just a shooter. He's an ultra competitor. Yes. And, and there's been features written about this that Cam Spencer at the preseason tip-off event for Connecticut their first night he lost the three-point shooting contest, Brian, and he wouldn't talk to anyone the rest of the night. <laughs> you know, that's how mad he was about with losing a three-point contest. So that speaks volumes about his competitive edge. But he, he has great feel for the game. His feel and instincts for the game are off the charts. I just think that, that his philosophy 18 months ago with how he was supposed to build a team because his teams were dreadful at perimeter shooting. They were just going to muck it up and beat you in a bar fight. Now UConn can beat you in a bar fight and have cocktail hour. <laughs> I'd like to be at that bar fight and then have a few cocktails after working. That's right. That's fantastic. That's right. So we're, we're putting this team up on a pedestal, John. We know what happened last year. They, they might have had a more impressive non-conference schedule last year with with how they they won the Phil Knight Classic they were 11 and 0 and they got humbled right away in the Big East uh I'm not making this team out to win the national championship but man this team is right there with with what that UConn team did and this UConn team can do if they were to play each other I don't know which team would win that's how good this team is well, it's interesting because you give up some defense with this year's team with Andre Jackson no longer in the fold, but mm. for what you give up in defense, it feels like they have more shooting on the floor. Now, last year's Connecticut team, here's why last year's UConn team struggled when they did, when they lost, what, six of eight? It's because Jordan Hawkins was not shooting it well. 
on this Connecticut team, if Taraban's not shooting it well, Spencer can catch fire or vice versa. Or Newton can do what he did at Kansas. We didn't see UConn's offense play that well, though, uh, from, from December to February until they got it clicking again from the second half of Iona on. So um, I think that last year's UConn team was probably more a little bit more athletic and better defensively. If the two teams played, it would be a sensational game. I will take the national champions, though. They earned that title. And, and you got to get hot at the right time. And that team just absolutely performed in March, uh, unlike few champions have ever performed the way they they blitzkrieg through everybody, John. Um, so, listen, there's got to be a weakness here. All right? What is their weakness if you're an opposing coach? Get them frustrated when they are on offense. You you almost have to trade some threes for twos. Like, I would just cover the line. And if they're making tough twos, you got that's what you got to do. Get them into no man's land. But I think UConn's weakness is if their defense is off, you've got to run offense really, really effectively. Make them defend, Brian. Make them defend. I don't think they have a true weakness, but you've got to make them defend. You know who makes teams defend? Creighton. And that's why Creighton has beaten UConn the majority of the times the two teams have met in their series history because Greg McDermott runs precise offense that makes you guard. But I'm going to tell you what, uh, if this UConn team loses more than five games, I'll be surprised. How many do you have them losing in the Big East? Uh, in recent years, since the reconfiguration of the Big East, we've seen Villanova go 16-2. and two. Last year, when they played 18 games, last year uh, it was Marquette who went 17-3. and three. Are we talking about a 17-3? and three? Could we be talking about 18 and two? Yeah, we could be. This team could go 18 and two. They really are that good. I'll give them one more loss and say they go 17 and three because I think they might have an off night at home and they just stumble. But they are the best team in this league going into conference play. And that's saying a lot because Marquette owns a win over Kansas. And you got to wait for the games to get played. But I'm telling you what, these Connecticut Huskies are special. They're deep. And I think Brian. And I, I think you'd agree, Dan Hurley has really matured within this job. He's figured out a formula to win. They used to go three hours long in practice. They still go long in practice. I think he understands that you can't wear your team out. It's a long road. This team, every time they hit the floor, they look very fresh. I, I think that's that's a credit to the coaching staff for getting them ready. Yeah, they have a chip on their shoulder. Hard to believe, John that not one player on this UConn team was preseason first team all Big East. Donovan Klingon was second team, and yet they could have the best player in the conference, as you and I said right now, in Tristan Newton. They're playing with a chip on their shoulder. Uh, let's go to St. John's. They were in your preseason top 25. They have, and, and a lot of people for that matter. Yeah, I'm not saying they can't get there, We've seen this team have struggles defensively, struggles with their continuity, with their chemistry. If anyone can get it going, it's Rick Patino. Do you still believe in St. John's? I do. Yeah, I, I, I really do. I think that their effort against 
response Saturday showed just how much they're making defense a priority. They held Fordham to under 25% from the floor. Now it's Fordham. It's not Xavier. It's not UConn, who they have this week. They need a split this week. Okay, now you lose to Xavier at home. Mm. Brian, I will sound the siren, and I'll say, hey, this team is not what we thought. They have a long way to go. They're not going to make the NCAA tournament this year. But I still do believe, you know, and I believe because, to me, Joel Soriano is playing like one of the best three or four big men in the country. Janice Jenkins is a good engineer. They need two, three, and four playing. They need Chris Ludlam to play more under control. He makes bad passes at times, and his handle's all over the place. Don't put the ball on the floor. You're a four-man. Don't put the ball on the floor. Um, Jordan Dingle has been all over the place. He's got to find consistency. Naheem Aline, for whatever reason, hasn't played very much. So that's interesting to see. It, it clearly indicates that the coach doesn't have strong feelings about him um, because he has he's played very sparingly. So for me, I I look at this team and I see a team that could really use R.J. Lewis, who's been hurt and is out for the remainder of this month. But you know what, Brian? Every team, all teams deal with injuries at some point, and you can't tell me one player makes five players defend. So I I think this is a group that is they're just inconsistent. But when they do click, you see what's possible. And what's possible is they can overwhelm you offensively. They really can. They, they can they can get it clicking and never look look back. You know, look for Dresa Traore to play some more in Big East play. I, I think Rick Pitino likes his physicality. I think he likes the way he defends. For me, it kind of comes down to whether or not Jenkins and Dingle get the best out of each other. Thus far, it hasn't been the right match. Yeah, I'm I'm really wondering how those two continue to coexist. You know, Jenkins clearly is is you know wants the ball in his hand and deserves it. Uh, should we make anything of the fact that Jordan Dingle did not start and against Fordham and little use Sean Conway comes off the bench to start in his place, who's more of a defensive presence? Yes, what, what we should make of it is, is that Rick Pitino is trying to send a message that if you don't play defense, you're not going to play for me. So Dingle's been doing one thing really well, making shots. But we all know that can be inconsistent too. And if that's the only thing that you bring and you're not making them, you're, you're not going to be able to play. And this is a guy, Ivy League player of the year, averaged 20-plus points per game in a, in a good league. I, I laugh at people when they insult the Ivy League. The Ivy League has great coaching and is a good league. Oh, great league. It's having a great year this year. Princeton, Yale, Columbia even has surprised. For me, Brian, it, that's a message. That's the coach saying, we are not going to tolerate people who don't play defense. So to answer your question, yes, that message was sent. Perhaps that's why we haven't seen as much of Naheem Aline either, even though Patino has said he makes the right plays. He's got good understanding of the game. But it, it did stand out to me calling that game Saturday that they went back to Conway. That was Patino's way of saying, look, is Conway the most talented player that I could go to? No. But right now, I don't need, I don't need all talent. I need five guys who are on the floor who are connected defensively. And if you don't play defense for me, 
you're not going to stay in the game. I'm just looking back at the at the minutes distribution on Saturday from Patino. You know, he, he went with Soriano, Lebum. He did play 12 guys. He did. But it's interesting to see how he distributed those minutes uh, because, you know, like Glenn Taylor only played 14 minutes in the game. And Glenn Taylor started, and I thought defended well, but it just feels like Patino's trying to play connect four right now. And he's looking for four straight chips that are going to make for a match. And he needs five on the floor at all times. They, they haven't found their five that fits them best to win against high-level competition. I think if R.J. Luis was healthy, he, he would have that. And I'm not trying to make excuses, but boy, I mean, for that one game, he looks super talented. I, I hope he gets out there soon. Uh, because listen, there, there's no more time, John, for St. John's to be tinkering with these lineups. Um, it's go time. It's go time. And and like you said, they have Xavier. And if they lose that game, they go to UConn. Could be staring at 0-2. Um, I'm not calling this a must win. It's it's way too early for that because St. John's may play their best basketball in February. And then we'll forget about this start. Um, how important is it for them with this gauntlet of a schedule early on to to start to show that they can play better basketball and show their coach that. Yeah, it's 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 heavily critical. And, and look, in their defense, they don't have any bad, meaning backbreaking loss. They're unbeaten against quadrant three and quadrant four. Now they don't have a quad one win, but they're seven and three. The the non conference couldn't have gone worse than that. But seven and three to me would be getting a satisfactory grade on the report card. You're not making a tournament, uh, but I'm not calling you into the principal's office right now, Brian. I think they're 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 doing enough. They're doing enough to avoid discipline, but you've got to beat Xavier. And to beat Xavier, Xavier also has struggled defensively. And Xavier is weak in the front court. So what do you have to do to beat Xavier? What do you have to do against all these teams? Feed your big man. Play through Soriano. Slow down the game a little bit if you have to. Make people guard him and tire out front courts. All right, John, we want to get to Seton Hall now. Uh, our alma mater hasn't exactly torched the nets. We know that they're struggling offensively. They're struggling to shoot it. And yet for one magical night in Kansas City, somehow, some way, Dylan Dewusu and Alamir Dawes, their two most important three-point shooters, uh, had their best games of the season against a team where they needed to show up. And uh, can they carry that over into Big East play and do it on a more consistent night in and night out basis? That yet's to be that is yet to be seen. What do you make of the Pirates so far? Well, overall, a disappointing start to the year because you had Rutgers at home and, and you looked really aimless in that game. And that was a that was a tough loss. Had they beaten Rutgers, and had they now won this Missouri game, I think we'd be saying, okay, they're they're all right, they're in an okay place. But you didn't. So the the performance in San Diego was mind boggling, because they were so incredibly inconsistent within games. And I think that goes back to it defensively. Okay, defensively to me, Seton Hall is just not what they've been. Their their their, their perimeter defense has really struggled. So they've got to get back to that. Like the win over Missouri was a real nice result. 
You credit Shane Holloway. You credit his players. He deserves it. They deserve it because they had had some tough ones. Now, I'm going to say this. To the people who are in the sky is falling mode or have given up on this team, I would just say, how could you? What, what, what's the point of that? First off, they didn't lose any bye games. And there's, do you know how many teams in college basketball have lost bye games in these leagues? Sure. Xavier lost two. Um, you know, Villanova. You go right down. Villanova, Georgetown. Georgetown lost to Holy Cross. Awful loss. Awful. Like, that is a horrendous loss. So my point is, they are not in an embarrassing place. And I do believe that some people believe that they are because you lost a rivalry game to a Rutgers team that played very well that night. Has it been all sunshine and rainbows? No. To me, the formula has to get better for them to compete in the Big East. This is probably an NIT team. That's the reality of the situation. But they've got to be able to compete in the Big East and win enough in the Big East to get there. I think they have to become a better defensive team, Brian. I know they have to. The thing is, when personnel, right, when your personnel is smaller in the front court, Bediaco's been great. Like Jaden Bediaco's been as good as I could have imagined, I think, as anybody could have imagined. But he still is a little bit undersized. And it's still a lot to expect him to go up against Kalkbrenner, Kling, and Soriano, Iguodaro, all these bigs from the Big East, Dixon. That's my question mark going into the Big East. These guards, like, at the end of the day, Alamir Dawes and Dylan Adewusu got to make shots. They're on the floor to do that. Adewusu, though, he hasn't been consistent throughout his career. He had a great week. He means a lot to this team. He's got to keep that up. If they can keep that up, this team can be a factor. But more than anything, they got to grind people down a little bit more defensively. Those guards have got to do a better job of setting a physicality tone against opposing backcourts. Good win over Missouri, encouraging feather in the cap. You have some confidence behind you. So things are better than what maybe the discourse has been around the program. Opportunity knocks against UConn. You're at home. Get your crowd behind you. It's basketball, Brian. Make or miss sport. UConn lost at the Rock last year. Nobody saw that coming. Dan Hurley didn't coach the game, but the players still got to play. Casey and Defo came up big, and that's what this Seton Hall team is missing, an edge. And Defo gave them an edge, a toughness. They got to get somebody to step up and provide them a toughness on the defensive end of the floor. Uh, John, get in there and do your your pregame talk. Pep that team up. Believe it or not, Seton Hall is 3-3 three and three against UConn in the last three years. They have found a way to beat them at least once since Dan Hurley has returned. It should begin on the defensive end. John, uh, thanks for this talk. Thanks for coming on. Good luck on the call tonight. We'll be watching Providence against Marquette, and I appreciate a few minutes. Thank you, Brian. Appreciate you. Happy All right. holidays. Happy holidays, John. All right. Always great to talk to John Fanta, one of the hardest working guys in the broadcasting business. Does work for the Big East Digital Network, Fox Sports, play-by-play, and, of course, he's all over Twitter Give him a follow, John Fanta. Seton Hall has its work cut out for them. But as John said, their season is far from over. This team needs to get better on the defensive end quickly. Yes, they need to make shots. We get that. What is their identity? It's not on the defensive end, and it's not on the offensive end. 
They hit free throws pretty well. I know lately they haven't been, but they're still above 75% from the free throw line. They get steals, they get turnovers, and they're excellent rebounding and offensive rebounding. But defense, that's where their identity was last year. They were number two in the Big East at scoring defense and field goal percentage defense. This year, they're in the middle of the pack, ranked sixth or seventh in both categories. That is not a typical Shaheen Holloway team. That is not the way he wants to approach these games. He takes pride in defense. It all begins at guard play for Seton Hall. You're going to get an honest effort out of Jaden Bediaco. He has been one of the most surprising transfers in the Big East Conference. Nobody knew what they were going to expect from Jaden Bediaco and Elijah Hutchins' effort. Maybe I said at the beginning of the season, my goodness, combined, I'd love to get eight points and four rebounds a game from those guys, the way they were looking in the preseason. And now Bediaco is getting double-doubles, more than he's ever had in his career. Sure, he's not the most mobile, but try to move him out of there. He is a bull. He is an ox in there. And I believe he has more offensive rebounds than defensive rebounds. But as Seton Hall will go, they need Kaderi Richmond and Alamir Dawes and Dylan Adeawusu to produce. They need them to be consistent, shooting and scoring and defending all three. Because if they don't get those honest efforts out of those three each night, there is zero chance. You know what you're going to get out of Dre Davis. You know what you're going to get out of Jaden Bediaco and even Elijah Hutchins Everett. You know that right now Isaiah Coleman is going to come off that bench and spark this team at both ends of the floor. Sure, I've gone on record. Stardom. It seems like Shaheen Holloway has his starting five. Maybe that wake-up call against Missouri following that Monmouth game where the starters were horrendous, maybe, just maybe, it was waking them up because they scored 93 points against Missouri and 89 of those 93 points were from the starters. That is insane. Seton Hall is not going to score 93 points every night. They're not going to score 83 points every night. More than likely, you're going to get somewhere between 68 and 72 points a night from Seton Hall. So they need to do a better job defensively. This game against UConn is a tall, tall order. My prediction, UConn will be favored by 10, 11 points, and they'll win by 14. That's just what UConn does. Would it surprise me if Seton Hall is you know, within six or eight points with five minutes to go? Yes. Yes. Can it happen? Sure. But the stars need to align for Seton Hall for them to even be in this game. On the flip side, if even one of UConn's stars is not shining, there's someone else to step up. If even two of UConn's stars are not shining, let's say that Klingon and Caravan have off nights. Well, there's Newton. There's Cam Spencer. There's Stefan Castle. There's Solo Ball. There's Samson Johnson. 
I mean, just roll the next guy in there. UConn has superior depth. Seton Hall is very limited. So the stars need to align. It is a very interesting week in the tri-state. UConn opens up at Seton Hall, home to St. John's. St. John's opens up, home to Xavier at UConn. Seton Hall opens up, home to UConn at Xavier. John alluded to it. St. John's and Seton Hall, find a way to split your two games. You do not want to go into Christmas at 0-2 because then the doubt starts to creep in. You're not enjoying your Christmas, right? It's a long few days before you get back to the practice court and way too much time to think about it. If you're UConn, keep rolling, take care of business because you know darker days lie ahead and tougher tasks when you play the Marquettes and the Creightons. And I'll even throw, you know, a Villanova in there on the road because we know how good they are beating North Carolina and beating Memphis. But is there a more mercurial team in the Big East than Villanova? Right? They lose all their games to the Philly teams. Drexel, St. Joe's. They can't win in Philly, but yet they beat North Carolina and Memphis, two top 25 teams. Go figure. The Big East, baby, there is nothing like it. Nothing like it. I love Big East basketball. It's a great time of the year. Big Ten basketball, those are my two favorite conferences to watch. It's going to be fun. We'll see what happens. I will be at that Seton Hall-UConn game. We'll see if the Seton Hall fans show up. We'll see if Seton Hall can somehow pull off one of the miracles of the season because that's what it would be. But UConn, don't think for a second that Dan Hurley doesn't want this game, okay? This is his alma mater. He didn't coach in this game last year. He and I believe it was Kamani Young were not able to coach in this game due to COVID. It was when UConn was going through a tough time. Uh, Whatever it was, they lost four in a row, four out of six. All right. And before they turn their ship around, Hurley has lost each of the last two years coming into this building. So the only time that they won this building was when there were no fans back in 2021. UConn is motivated. That is a team. They have a chip on their shoulder. Seton Hall needs to bring its A plus game. It's a great few days coming up Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, all week in the Big East leading up to Christmas. My thanks to John Phantom. My thanks to you for listening and downloading this podcast. Please keep spreading the word, the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast. Get it out to your friends and keep listening. As long as there are games and stories to talk about, we will have it right here for you on the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast. My thanks to our sponsor, the North Jersey Viper Softball Club. If you or your daughter or someone you know are looking to play high-level softball, go to NorthJerseyVipers.com. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Enjoy it with your families. Enjoy the games, everyone. My name is Brian DeNovellis. We'll catch you on the other side of the holidays. 
So long.